This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. are listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast, bringing you everything Tennessee Titans. We have a great, huge show for you tonight, lots to cover. I am Ryan Moreland, your host, my co-host with me tonight, the founder of the Bleedy Ray Wilson Fan Club, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? What's up, Ryan? Getting ready to drop this bomb. And also with me, as always, Glenn, the original Magic Mike Lotzenheiser. I've got my nipple pasties on, my tearaway pants, greased up with some glitter. Let's get dirty, girls. That's exactly the way I like you, Glenn. But let's get into the great news that we have for you guys tonight. First, very special thanks to Brandon Williams, who set all of this up. He gave us two tickets to the Tennessee Titans matchup against the Minnesota Vikings week one to give away to you guys. So we set up. Uh, A scavenger hunt for you guys, and this is going to set up, you know, whoever can win the tickets. You have to come in the top five spots of our scavenger hunt in order to make it to the next round. We're not going to tell you what you have to do in the next round yet, but it's going to be something fun. But top five all qualify for the next round. This is going to start as soon as this episode airs. You're going to hear all of... You know, everything that's on the scavenger hunt just in one second. So as soon as it airs, the competition starts. It'll end on noon Eastern time of July 19th. After that, the top five scorers will move on to the next challenge. As I said, there is a total possible 478 points in this. A a ton of great things. A lot of them are a lot of fun. Uh, We're really excited about it to see what you guys send in as your entries So, moving on to the list here, you have to send all entries in to twotoneuncensored at gmail.com, and please do not send them in until you are completely finished, until you've done everything on the list that you want to do. That way we don't have to keep up with everybody and try to add points here and there through messages. So do not send them until you have everything that you want. You have until July 19th, as I said. You have just about a month. Uh, in order to complete this list. So do not send them at all until you get every single thing that you have done. I cannot stress that enough. And before we get into the list, I want to say everything on this list has a picture of you. If it's a picture or video of you, your face must be in the picture or the video. That way we can prove that you just didn't steal it off of Google. It has to be something that has you in the picture so we can prove that you actually did it. So let's start the list here. Coming off the top, the very first thing on the list is a picture of you with a Marcus Mariota rookie card that's worth 10 points. Number two, a picture of you with a Frank Wycheck autograph. It can be on anything, a jersey, a t-shirt, a hat, but it's got to be a Wycheck autograph. That's 15 points. Number three, a picture of you in a cowboy hat. Just in memory of the late coach Bum Phillips, 
It can be any cowboy hat. That's worth two points. That's right, man. Then we got uh, like the Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page for five points. We got a picture of you with Delaney Walker is worth 15 points. A picture with you and any Titans bobblehead worth two points. And that bobblehead cannot be your girlfriend. Fair enough. Okay, a picture of you with Madden 2001 with Eddie George on the cover. Any system, eight points. A picture of you with Madden 2008 with Vince Young on the cover. Any system, four points. A picture of your Titans or Oilers tattoo. An actual tattoo on your body has to be your own body. If it's on your back and you need a picture of your face, use a mirror. 15 to 20 points, depending on how we feel about that tattoo. Number 10, a picture of you with any ticket stub from any Titans home game is worth five points. Number 11, a picture of you with any Titans ticket stub from an away game is worth seven points. Number 12, if you follow Two-Tone Uncensor, that's without the ED on the end, on Twitter, that's five points for you. Number 13, a picture of you wearing any Oilers jersey, throwbacks included, is five points. Number 14, a picture of you with T-Rack, the Titans mascot, is ten points. Number 15, a picture of any Tennessee Oilers memorabilia. I know that's pretty rare stuff. We're making that 20 points. A picture of your face or body painted two-tone, you know, fan paint. Uh, Five to 20 points depending on how much you've got of it, what you've got on you, uh, how well it's done. Five to 20 points on the scale there. A Rustin Webster joke that makes us laugh because we all laugh about Rustin Webster now that he's gone because he was making us cry while he was here. So that's one to ten points depending on how funny you are. If you suck, you still get a point. A video of you singing Love Ya Blue is worth one to ten points depending on your production value and how good you sound and if you're just reading it off or if you're really singing. Number 19 is a picture of you with your best Warren Moon or Steve Underwood, or Jeff Fisher mustache. If it's fake, you get 1 to 10 points. If it's the real deal growing out of your face, it's 10 to 20 points. Number 20, a screenshot of you listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast on your Stitcher app is worth 5 points. Number 21, a video of you making your own play-by-play call of the Music City Miracle is 5 to 15 points. It doesn't have to be exactly what Mike Keith says. Make it up. Make it your own. 5 to 15 points, depending on how good it is. Number 22, a video of your own backyard rendition of Steve McNair's sack escape on the last drive of the Super Bowl versus the Rams. 5 to 20 points on the scale. Number 23, a picture of your best Kevin Dyson stretching for the end zone impression on a scale of 1 to 10 points. Creativity counts, guys, so make it good. Number 24, predict Ryan, Matt, and Glenn's all-time Titans and Oilers Mount Rushmore. Two points for each correct answer. If you get all four of our answers, it's ten points for everything. Now, what we did, we all agreed on one player, and then we each put one of our own in. So there's a total of four. If you get them all right, you'll get ten points. For every one you do get right, you'll get two points. All right, five points are scored by becoming a member of the Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook page. 
That's the group that started all of this. Uh, if you're not already a member, you should be. Make your own Titans theme song. It's worth 1 to 20 points, depending on how creative it is and how good you're at it. We don't expect major production value. Well, Ryan does. Ryan Ryan would like some instrumentation. He would like some <laughs> real high-quality editing. Matt and I are a little bit more lenient on it, but it's 1 to 20 points. If it doesn't chart on the top 20, then you don't get any points. It's got to be I'm perfect. It's got to be gold. It's Music City for a reason. We have standards. All right, one of my favorite ones on this list, a screenshot of you trolling a reaction out of Jason Irons on the Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook page. Uh, most of you all know who he is. He's a good guy, but he wears, has this little uh, band with a brown paper bag over his head. And it's, uh, it's just a little bit of fun to wind him up. So go out there and get it done. You probably have to do it early because he's going to catch on. The stronger the troll, the better the reaction, the more points you get. We got a scale of 1 to 20. Yeah, guys, if you get him to quit the page, that's an automatic 20. <laughs> so do what you got to do. <laughs> All right, next one here, number 28, a picture of you with a game program from a Tennessee Titans home game while they were in Memphis. It has to be while the Titans were in Memphis. It's automatic 20 points. A picture of you with a home program from any Houston Oilers home game. Automatic 20 points. For those two right there, number 28 and 29, you don't have to own them. With all of these that are pictures of you with the the Marcus Mariota card, a lot of these, you don't have to own it. If you go to a card shop and snap a picture, you get the points. But it has to be the real deal. Number 30, be enshrined in the Tennessee Titans Hall of Fans. That's 10 points. You know, the guy that set all of this up, Brandon Williams, just got inducted into the Hall of Fans. Uh, Obviously, he's not competing in this, but you have to be uh, enshrined to get those 10 points. Yeah, huge thanks to Brandon. And Number 31, a picture of you with any Tennessee Titans Kid Club memorabilia worth 5 points. 32, a picture or video of you creatively destroying a terrible towel. I want to see as many of these as I can. You're getting 10 to 20 points. If you own a terrible towel, shame on you. But if you know someone that has one and you don't mind taking it and destroying it, we will give you some points for it. If you can prove that you stole the terrible towel, automatic 20 points. If you stole it from a from a Steelers fan that's a friend of yours and you destroyed it, automatic 20 points. Number 33, a picture of your Titans wet t-shirt, 1 to 20 points, male or female. I know Ryan's got a thing for guys around Glenn's size, but we're not going to be sexist. We'll we'll take all submissions, be as creative as you want, as long as it's a Titans wet t-shirt. Have fun with it. I mean, own it, guys. You're a big, hairy, fat guy. Roll that sucker up and make it count, man. A picture of you wearing your Titans gear. In front of a famous landmark or welcome to the city sign, go out, rep the Titans somewhere recognizable or in your hometown. Just spread the Titans brand. That's going to be worth anywhere from 5 to 15 points for creativity, picture quality. If it's black and white and fuzzy, Matt will give you 10 points. I won't. I'm way cooler than Glenn. He he really is. Next, a, a picture or a video of you showing your hate for a AFC South rival. No violence, no illegal acts, all hatred all the time. Get out there, 
make sure that none of our AFC South rivals have any misconception about how you feel about them. That's going to be worth 1 to 15 points. Again, it's about creativity and making it fun. Enjoy this. A picture of you with a homemade Tennessee Titans artwork. It's a painting, a sculpture, woodwork, uh, building things out of bubble gum, whatever you got to do. It's going to be worth 1 to 20 points depending on how much we like it. Number 37, a picture of you with any Alcorn State Steve McNair memorabilia. It's got to be Alcorn State. It has to be Steve McNair. Anything, though, a bobblehead, a T-shirt, a jersey, anything that you can find of Steve McNair. It has to be Alcorn State. It has to be Steve McNair. Automatic 20 points. The last one, number 38, a picture of you with the playbill from Eddie George's production that he is involved with of Chicago. For everybody who's a Tennessee Titans fan, you probably already know that Eddie George is doing a Broadway play. It's of Chicago. So if you have a playbill or can find one, take a picture with it, 15 points. Some disclaimers. Obviously, you know, this goes with a lot with number 35 here, but no illegal acts, no violence. We don't support any kind of violence or illegal acts. Uh, you know, stealing of... A, a terrible towel. If it's a friend or a buddy that it's going to get the joke, is going to you know find it funny, something like that. That's okay. Don't break into someone's house you don't know. Don't steal it from a store. We you know we do not support illegal acts or violence in any of these. The other thing, it has to be a picture of you with it or a video of you. Like it has. To, if it's ambiguous, we might not give you the points for it. Also, anything that you send to us can and probably will be used on our social media accounts on Facebook and on Twitter. Keep that in mind when you send in anything. We we probably will use it. When you send it to us, you give up the rights to the picture or the video. It it becomes property of Two-Tone Uncensored. Uh, For the wet t-shirt contest, we're not going to put anything out if it's illicit. Obviously, even though we put a semi-illicit show on the air, we're not looking to put pornography on the thing. So if you do send us something that's illicit, it will not be used. But for everything else can and probably will be used on our social media accounts. So we're going to move on from that. You can find the list. We'll put it up on our Twitter and our Facebook if you want to look at the entire list. Moving on here, we're going to get into the mailbag. Art Urias sends us in our first thing, and he says, Looking ahead to the current state of the team, which will definitely be a position of need to address in the 2017 NFL Draft, given that we have an arsenal of picks to play around with. What do you think here, Matt? Uh, I would have to say that, assuming that the Rams give us a top 10 pick, which is what I'm hoping for, I'm thinking with our two first rounds, we could probably trade one of those and get another group of picks like we did this year, which would be awesome. We're in a really good position, but as far as uh, what position might we take, I was actually hoping with next year being the... uh, pretty decent running back class obviously Derrick Henry shattered those dreams but hopefully he makes up for it with his play that being said I I know we we probably go cornerback uh, with one of those picks if we keep them both I would say anywhere in the secondary depending on who's who's there and who's coming out and uh, if we have two to select in the first round I'd probably go wide receiver or maybe even tight end I know our tight ends are getting up there in age I think we're probably gonna go best player available I think we're all kind of looking at the cornerback spot, which we were hoping they would draft higher. 
We're looking at their wide receiver spot, which we were hoping they would draft higher. Those are the two positions that most of the fan base felt was not addressed real well before Tajay Sharp just started looking like Superman. As a player, as a position of need for next year in the draft, I'm going to go cornerback is the most likely spot that we take high. I'm with Matt. I thought we would do running back next year, especially after we brought Murray in. Next year's crop of running back should be really good, but at this point, we don't really need him. So let's go uh, speed guy on the outside somewhere. The obvious answer here, guys, is cornerback because of the talent that we have in our secondary, and it needs to be upgraded. You know, we have Jason McCourty, who's our starter, obviously always injured. But I'm going to add in another one here that I think needs to be addressed, and I think that's at the pass rush. I think we have some guys, a group of guys that are solid, that are good, but we don't we don't have anybody who is an elite pass rusher, and it's becoming an NFL where you need an elite pass rusher. And it obviously depends on where we're going to pick, you know, how bad we do, how bad the Rams do, and, and where that pick is, and obviously the talent that's there. But I think an elite pass rusher could be an option for us, and you know, the higher end of the draft if we end up drafting there. Next one in here, sent by Logan Gillespie. Other than the Music City Miracle, what are your other favorite moments in Tennessee Titans slash Houston Oilers history? In recent years, there's not not many great moments in my mind. First one that comes to mind is the debut of Mariota against Tampa Bay, where he threw for four touchdowns in the first half. And obviously my personal favorite out of any game in the last, uh, as long as I can remember, is the game against the Jaguars late in the season on that Thursday night. My personal favorite, though, other than that game, would have to be against the Jaguars last season where he ran for that 87-yard touchdown. He's uh, he's definitely something we're building on, and I think in the next couple of years with all the draft picks we have coming in and the future ones that we're going to acquire, um, I think we have nothing but brightness ahead of us. If I was going to pick a Mariota moment, I'd probably pick – that first touchdown he threw when he didn't even get excited. He was just like, yep, that's what I expected to do when I got out here. But that's not my favorite moment outside of the Music City Miracle. I'm going to go back a little, a lot further. I'm going to go back to my man Earl Campbell. When he headbutted Isaiah Robinson in the Rams game, he stepped over a guy, and they went tearing down the field where they're tearing his jersey off. That was just my favorite moment for all running backs. Just the power, the speed. The way he headbutted that guy and the guy just collapsed in front of him, it was just a, a founding moment for me as a young fan. Dude, how old are you? I am old. 86. Fair enough. For me, this one was a so, tough one to answer because there's a couple. You know, one that I thought of was when Chris Johnson ran for the 2,000 yards. And obviously now, you know, it doesn't mean as much that he's not with the team. But I remember in that moment that that felt really special. But I thought of another one that really meant more to me is just watching Steve McNair week in and week out, especially towards the end of his career, it seemed like every single week they'd put up that chart of how injured he was. You know, it was like broken wrist, dislocated knee, turf toe in one foot, uh, broken big toe in the other foot, just you know, just riddled with injuries, and he was still starting. He was so injured a lot of times that he wasn't even practicing, but still started on Sunday. And, you know, for me growing up, watching this man, it it really, he just, the amount of heart and the amount of toughness that that, that guy had is just unbelievable. And, 
you know, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, just recently, this week actually, inducted into the Tennessee Titans Hall of Fame. And it really just, that is probably my favorite memory of the Titans outside of the Music City Miracle is just watching Steve McNair do it every week, no matter what. The next question in here, and the last question on our uncensored mailbag, Philip Perkins sends in, I think we have two playmakers in Wright and McCluster that were completely misused in Ken Wisenhunt's regime. Do you think Malarkey and company will finally figure out how to get the most out of them? I think we're doing the right things with Kendall Wright. I'm not so sure that we're going to be able to use McCluster. He's been here for a couple years now. Still hasn't gotten it together. I don't know what we need to do to help him get it together, whether it's strictly returns or or what we can do for him. He's a great change of pace for what we have, but we've never really had anyone like him in recent years that has been successful. He's not that fast. He's shifty, but he's not what we've had, and it's Chris Johnson. He's not that type of running back. He can catch passes out of the backfield. What we need to do, in my opinion, is get him in different spots on the field, whether it be the slot or have him on the field along with a Derrick Henry or DeMarco Murray, where we can basically disguise something and get him in open field. If we can do that, we might be able to get him on track, but he's has not performed as of late. I would agree a lot with what Matt just said. With Kendall Wright, we were using it wrong the last couple of years. That was a Wizenhut thing. We saw with Coach Munchak, of all people, whose offense was just plain vanilla, that Kendall Wright is a really good weapon, and he's really hard to cover if you use him the right way. They're going to put him out there and let him do his thing in short spaces, the first five, ten yards, make somebody miss, go deep with it, score big plays. He'll do slants, that kind of thing. They're good. I think he's going to have a much better season than he did the last couple of years because he's going to be allowed to do a little bit more what he's comfortable with and win on routes the way he wins on routes, as opposed to the way Ken Wisenhunt wanted him to win on his routes. As for McCluster, I don't know that there is a get-him-going moment that's going to happen for us. I think this is more a matter of Rusty Webster overvaluing what he was doing. His uh, returns were electric when he was at Kansas City. He fumbled the ball a lot as a running back. I know there were a lot of Chiefs fans that were happy to see him go. When he comes out there on the field, he's not a big guy. He's not our fastest running back. He's not really just fast. He's really quick. He's good in short spaces. But he's not going to just run away from everybody. So I don't know that McCluster gets going. I don't know if it's a matter of using him the right way as this is what he's got. And if his level is 75%, and we have two other backs that are you know, 80 90%. There's no room for him on the field other than as a change of pace guy. And I don't see us changing pace all that much unless somebody just puts you know nine people in the box and somehow we can't throw the ball. Our offense should look completely different than what it did last year. And that's what I'm taking into effect here is this you know exotic smash mouth offense that we're going to be running. I think Kendall Wright and Dexter McCluster both – will benefit from this offense. First, Wright's not going to face as much pressure as a wide receiver. You know, you're going to get teams going eight men in the box. You're going to be able to get Wright open over the middle. I think it's going to be great for us. You know, as I said on the last episode when we were talking about wide receivers, I think you're going to see something similar to what we saw out of the New York Jets. 
where you have one big wide receiver and Brandon Marshall, and you have one small wide receiver out of Eric Decker, I think Kendall Wright's going to be our Eric Decker. So I think that you're going to be able to get him open, get him in space, and let him do work because we all know that Kendall Wright can burn you and really hurt you if you let him get in open space. We all saw what he did in week one against Tampa Bay last year. He, he turns a short pass into a very long touchdown. As for Dexter McCluster, this is a little harder to gauge because McCluster's going to be the third running back coming out. So how much time he's going to see is a question mark. Obviously in passing downs, I think you're going to see McCluster a lot. But he's still in passing downs going to be after Murray because DeMarco Murray is a really great pass-catching running back. So it's still a question mark, but with the offense that we're going to run this year and how good our running backs are going to be, I think you're going to see McCluster be able to get open in space more often. Glenn said it perfectly here. McCluster's not fast. He's quick. This is a guy that ran a 4-5-40. You know, he's, he's not going to burn you, but that quick twitch movement can get you out of your alignment, can get you in the wrong position. But I think you can get McCluster in open space. I think you'll see him make a big play or two, you know, maybe a handful of big plays throughout the season. But I'm just I'm not seeing him being a real difference maker throughout the season for this Titans team because he is the third guy in the roster at running back. But that's all we have for the mailbag. I know we we weren't able to get to a lot of you guys with the big announcement that we had and everything. We will be sure to try to catch up next week. So if you had a question, don't worry, we'll, we'll try to get to it next week. But we're going to head into the news here with our anchor man, Glenn Lotzenheiser. What do you have for us in the news? Scotch, 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 Scotty, Scotch, Scotch. Oh, hey, hey, guys. All right. First thing up we got, Scouts.com ran his story about all the moves John Robinson has made this offseason since he came to the team. And they're also talking about the waiver wire. And we're the first people on there, so we've got right of first refusal to anybody who gets waived. When you do that, you have to drop a player to make room for them. However, it's a really good opportunity as the higher-end teams or the teams with deeper positions drop off quality players. We've got a shot to go get those guys. What position would you most like to see Robinson make a move on, and what player would he probably drop off the 53-man roster to bring that guy in? For me here, I think there's a lot of guys you can drop off I love the Tennessee Titans, but we have a lot of guys that are this mediocre talent level. I mean, that's basically describes about 60% of our team is these guys that are, like, mediocre. They, you know, there's a lot of guys we can lose. At running back, we have too many. At tight end, you know, we could lose a lot. So it's hard to say who exactly we, w- we would lose in order to grab a guy. Also hard to say who we would snag because a lot of the best players that will be waived have not been waived yet. So it's definitely going to be a, a scenario where the position dictates who we get. But from where we're standing right now, I would probably say, you know, it's the exact same thing we said earlier, corner has to be something that we're looking at here. Jason McCourty's our number one guy, and he is good. He's, he's a fantastic corner, you know, not – top tier level by any means but he does a really good job but injuries have been an issue depth at the cornerback position has been an issue for the Tennessee Titans for quite some time so I think that has to be something that we're looking at any big name corner 
or a guy that we think is going to be improvement, I think we should go after. It's still hard to say, though. You don't know who's going to be waived. I think by the time we get later in the year, we're going to see bigger names get waived, and we might be able to get somebody uh, worth bringing in. But as of right now, I would say corner just, you know, and that's just throwing that out there. It's obviously going to be based off of who's out there and the talent level that is out there. Yeah, we can improve pretty much everywhere other than maybe a couple spots on the whole team. It's really a wait-and-see game. There's no one, There's no way you can determine who's going to be cut for what reasons, whether it be injury or lack of performance, whatever the case. Uh, like Ryan said, though, we have uh, plenty of guys that are expendable on this team right now, whether it be one of our 12 running backs or our 16 tight ends. Those are just a few. But it's, it's a wait-and-see game. We definitely will be are taking advantage of our uh, number one waiver claim position. Um, but like I said, it's just a wait-and-see game, and, and we'll see what happens. I think the biggest opportunity for the waiver wire is going to be what you guys said, probably somewhere in the defensive backfield. We have a lot of players there. It's a lot of depth, but it's not a lot of high-quality depth. We, in the past, we've seen the team claim some linebackers who are still on the squad. I think that's a spot you may see them pick up somebody. If someone spent a bunch of money on some top-end linebackers, they're more likely to drop those guys, I think, than they are a cornerback who's going to come in here and actually contribute for us. That's a spot I would be looking at, just some more speed on that linebacker core or someone who's effective as a pass rusher but can't do something else. I mean, any guy you get off the waiver wire, he's going to be mid-level talent at best. They're not going to drop a superstar player unless there's something really bad going on, like he shot somebody. So you're going to get mid-level guys. I think, like you know, Ryan said earlier, pass rush is going to be a big deal for us in the next draft. They could be looking for anybody who can help out with that this year as far as someone who gets waived or, on the other end, in the defensive backfield, to give the pass rush more time to get there. Moving on, Tajay Sharp is getting tons of love from the press. The fans are all over him. People are already declaring him a Hall of Famer. He's going to be the number one guy. Given that his question marks going into the draft were about the physicality of his game, can he run past people? Can he get off of press coverage? Can he fight to stay on his routes instead of getting bumped off his routes by more physical corners? So during the OTAs, with nobody on him, he's been the best receiver we've had. And a lot of people have known him as starter day one. Do you think that when we get up to a preseason, he's going to be able to hold on to that spot, or is he more likely to move back as the more physically imposing receivers have a chance to show what they can do against contact? I know that this answer is not going to make me many friends in the the Tajay Sharp fan group. He's not going to start on this team. He struggles to get out of pressed coverage. He's not a very physical guy. And you have to be at least semi-physical, you know, to get through the NFL or at least have the skills to overcome it, which Sharp does not have. Now, obviously, I wish him nothing but the best. But I think when we head into full contact workouts and you see in training camp, I think you're going to see Tajay Sharp fall down to our fourth wide receiver behind Wright, uh, DGB, and Rashad Matthews. This kid shows a lot of promise, and I like his ball skills, but it's just the whole package is not there yet. So Tajay Sharp, I think we all need to calm down a little bit. This guy's not an all-pro yet. He hasn't even taken a real snap. I'm kind of 
on the fence on whether you like him or not because, I mean, you, you bashed him pretty hard there. Now, I will say that he's going to be the starter, but everything that's gone on thus far with OTAs, with no no physical contact, he's he's doing really well in, and that's that's a given. This is more malarkey getting in Justin Hunter's head, getting in DGB's head. He's letting them know that if, if these guys, if they come into camp, they do what they're supposed to, they're going to get reps. Tajay Sharp is not a complete product yet. I think he's a little bit better than Ryan gives him credit for. He will definitely see the field more often than not this season. I don't see him as the number one receiver. I never, I don't think anyone believes that other than maybe Chris Frazier. But I, I like him a lot more than Ryan does. I, I will say I know he needs to he needs to become more physical. That's probably his only knock. I think he will challenge DGB. He will challenge Justin Hunter. Whether he can beat those two out, I'm not going that far. But uh, I think in a couple years, if he improves where he needs to, he could easily be maybe not the number one, but easily the number two on this team. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back here. This is exactly what I said was going to happen during the uh, the draft review. Tajay Sharp is going to come in. He's going to run good routes. He's going to catch every ball that comes near him, and he's going to push Doyle Greenbeckham. He's going to push Hunter. He's going to push right. Everybody's going to get better because he's out there. And exactly what these guys said, it's all about motivation. Tajay Sharp is a good player. I like him a little bit more than Ryan, who just basically just burned his corpse. I mean, damn. Fucking hater. Hater. I, I like him a little bit more than Ryan, though. He's going to get on the field. He's going to get his snaps. He's not going to be a starter because we have some freaky athletes like Hunter, Beckham, Wright. Those guys are going to get those snaps. All right, we have a guy like Richard Matthews. He's also your guy who's going to go out there. He's going to run good routes. He's going to physically challenge people for the ball. He's the other side of that spectrum from what you get with Tajay Sharp. Sharp has got just you know perfect hands, basically. Matthews is able to fight people for the ball. He's physical. He's strong. If you happen to pick between those two guys, Sharp would be a nice thing to have out there as far as your possession receiver. You, maybe you bring him in on third and short. Matthews is a guy you can put out there on any down, and he can go out there and get open and be productive. So Sharp is a good tool for Malarkey right now. I definitely think he makes the team. He's going to have a chance to get in the gym. He's going to have a chance to learn how to body up on people. He's going to be a good receiver for us. I think in you know a year or two he's going to be a contributor. I don't see him being the starter. My last point we've got here today, Malarkey appears to have won over the team. A lot of people didn't like him when we started up. When you listen to the interviews with the players, the guys love him. The players are loving him. He has fun contests. He does spelling bees. He screws with the rookies. He's really winning the players over to his style of coaching, which after Wizenhut isn't terribly hard. I think we could send Matt in there, and Matt could probably win this team over pretty quick. You know, the last day of OTAs, he had a relay race with the linemen, and if they got done in time, everybody saw it. They get done in time, practice is over. Amy Adams came out there and said she just wanted to see a little bit more competition. It was a good, fun moment. It was a positive way to end the OTAs and send everybody home to relax for a little bit before the offseason really starts. He has a team doing push-ups for, to show accountability. So when I screw up, Matt and Ryan are over there doing push-ups. They're doing girl push-ups, but they're doing push-ups. It makes everybody feel a higher level of accountability. We know that the proof is going to come in the regular season. So all of this right now is just good off-season talk. 
But has the offseason changed your perception of Malarkey since the hiring announcement? I just want to say real quick, I don't hate Tajay Sharp. I just I don't think he's going to start. Hate, 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 hate. <laughs> you know, I'm the guy on this group that was probably the hardest on Malarkey and the, the least liking of Malarkey. Yeah, this does change a little bit for me. You know, I like Malarkey a little bit more. I remember growing up and playing football, and the guys that made it fun were the best coaches. That That's not only the guys that you loved playing for the most, but those were the guys that got the most production. Is the guys that made it fun again. You know, they got the most out of you because it didn't feel like work anymore. You know, at a certain point, football feels like work. Anybody that's played knows that. And the coaches that made it really fun, it doesn't feel like work. You're going out there and you're trying really hard. You're putting it all out there. But it doesn't feel like work, so it doesn't affect you, you know. It, that, like you're still putting in the same effort, maybe even more effort. You feel good. You, like, you feel loose. You feel good. You, you're ready. And, and building that esprit de corps is, I, you know, I think this unit's ready to go. And from what I've seen... Yeah, it does make me like Malarkey a little better. And I was probably the hardest of the three of us on Malarkey. But after reading this, it does make me like Malarkey a little bit more. And, and I'm I'm excited to see what we're going to do under him now. A little bit more than I was because of this. It sounds like you hate Tajay Sharp a little bit more than Malarkey. So that's progress. But uh, I, I like Malarkey. I always have. The only time I wasn't screaming for Malarkey was before we hired him. When he was hired, everybody was outraged and this and that. I've always, I've always been on board. You cannot go off of his record on two bad teams. I've said that from the beginning. I'll say it again. I like everything he's doing. He's actually – I listened to an interview today, as a matter of fact, where he was on the midday last week. Everything he was saying – Ryan just touched on a lot of it. Everything he's doing, everything he's saying is making me feel better about my support for him. He's not the great offensive mind that, that was available. Some of the other guys had better credentials and this and that, but he's a player's coach. I've said it time and time again. These close losses that we lost last season, if we can tweak a few things to his advantage to get the guys on his side that really want to play for him, those close losses are going to turn into wins. I'm on board. There's really nothing else to add to that. I'm, I've always been in support of him, and I'm going to continue to do it. I think I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. Now, when they hired Malarkey, I wasn't real high on him. I didn't hold his pass against him, though, like a lot of the fan base did, because of how bad those teams were, who he was working with. I didn't feel that was a valid reason to hate him. There wasn't anything telling me that I needed to like him either, though. The offseason here, it's really shown me a lot more of his personality. You never really got the impression he was a fun guy to be around. Just watching him on the sidelines last year, he, he seemed like an honest guy, a sincere person. But he didn't seem like he was fun. And he's putting on a show out here for me that makes me think like some of my favorite coaches when I was growing up. The guys that made it fun, like you said, but they also held everybody accountable. If you're going to screw it up for everybody else and we're all going to lose because you didn't take it seriously, we're going to make you responsible for it, not everybody else. It's your fault. Everybody else paid for it. I'm going to make you responsible for it. I'm going to let you know that it's your fault. He's not going to stop loving you for it. He's going to just try to help you get better. He's going to try to make you work harder. And there's lots of different types of coaches in this league. You have that offensive mastermind, the X's and O guys, who can just break down any game film, come up with a plan that's going to work. And 
after a little while, his players buy into it and believe him because what he does works. So they're going to go with him. Malarkey, I don't know that he's that X's and O's guy, but he's a motivator. His guys are going to run through a wall for him. They're going to feel like they're letting him down, like you know they've just embarrassed their dad when they go out there and they fumble the ball, when they miss a tackle. So I really think that Malarkey's going to be good for this team. He's the right kind of guy for a young group like this. We are going to head to a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more Two-Tone Uncensored. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Pinecast and Stitcher. And we're back from that quick commercial break. We're going to move on to the next part of the show here and talk about the tight ends on this Tennessee Titans team. It really begins with Delaney Walker. We've been breaking it down into groups every week, but it's really Delaney Walker and everybody else. We saw Delaney Walker come off of a career year, the best year we've seen from him. This is our guy... Do you think that we'll see any, or is anybody going to step up, or do you think that we're going to see more of Walker? I think that what we're going to see is a little bit less of Walker as a receiver. He's going to block a little bit more because we're going to run a lot more. I think you will see more of a guy like Craig Stevens, who's a good run blocker. Walker's going to turn out a lot of good points for us. He's going to be on the field. He's going to make a difference. Defenses have to respect where he is. So we're going, to, we're going to see him. He's going to be going out in routes whether the ball's coming his way or not. The other teams will have to pay attention to what he's doing. And he proved to Marcus Mariota that he is absolutely reliable. He is the man as far as that last-second escape pass. This is the guy who's going to get open. He's going to be where I know he's supposed to be. So we're going to see a lot of Walker. I don't think you're going to see the same kind of numbers next year, though. And I don't think he wants to see the same kind of numbers. If your tight end is the best receiver that you've got, Odds are you're not winning. And as good as Walker is, and he is our best receiver, that can't be our feature. We can't win games with our tight end. We've got to win games with our running backs. We need our wide receivers to step up. Walker's going to be a part of everybody else being better. I don't think he's going to catch the ball quite as much. Yeah, his numbers probably won't be as high. But at the same time, I don't think he's getting subbed out by Anthony Pisano or Craig Stevens. Both of those guys are pretty reliable tight ends with that being said they're nowhere near pass catchers that uh delaney walker is so his numbers probably won't be as high only because we're going to try to to uh put the ball in different different guys hands but as far as him leaving the field for any reason for another tight end i don't see that happening i'm going to uh, agree with glenn here for uh, a couple of reasons i think we're going to see less of walker because we're going to be more of a running team this year but I can't imagine he sees less action in the passing game because of his ability to get the ball and make more of it. I mean, we saw it last year. We've seen it every year that we've had Delaney Walker. 
He, he is a, an exceptional pass-catching tight end. And take a look at Craig Stevens. 6'3", 263, a nine-year veteran in this league. You're talking about Craig Stevens is just absolutely phenomenal at hitting and blocking at the point of attack. He has a ferocious first punch. And if you don't know it, if you don't see it, go watch that Saints game. I believe it's the second quarter. It's been a while since I've watched it. And he throws out a punch in that game that, I mean, it, it makes you shudder. That leads us to, I believe it was a nine-yard gain. I think Craig Stevens is the best run blocker we have in this tight ends unit. But I still expect a lot of Delaney Walker, and I expect him to see the lion's share of the snaps on this team, even though that we're a running team. I think he's still going to be able to get a lot of the yards. I think it's going to open up the passing game. So even though I think you'll see his targets go down, maybe his receptions go down, I think you'll see his average go up. So I still expect a lot out of Delaney Walker this season. We're going to talk about this second group, and I'll throw Cunningham in this. So we're going to say Anthony Fasano, Craig Stevens, Jerome Cunningham. What do you think of this group? Who do you think's the best out of it? I don't think this is going to be the group, actually. I don't see us carrying more than three tight ends into the season, not because we don't need the blocking, but because after those first three guys, everybody else is just kind of extra. I think Craig Stevens is the second guy on the field. It's not that he's a great receiver, though he does find ways to get open, make good catches, score touchdowns. I really enjoy it every time he catches the ball for a touchdown because Mike Keith just loves saying his name. But Anthony Fasano is your receiving backup guy. So if Walker goes out, Fasano comes in and catches the ball. I don't think 10 pounds is enough of a difference in their uh, physical stature to make him that much better of a run blocker. He never seemed like a good run blocker to me. I think Walker and him are about the same level as far as run, pa- run and pass blocking. Walker is a much better receiver than anybody else in that group. I think Philip Supernaus probably still got a better shot than Cunningham. We saw enough of him last year to not be blown away by him. He had some good moments. He had some bad moments. I got the impression his best buddy on the team, though, is Taylor Luan. So there's a chance he makes the squad. But only if we keep four. Craig Stevens, he comes out. He crushes people on blocks. He gets open. He catches balls. He's a better tight end than he gets credit for. But it's because he's so good at blocking that he doesn't get to go out and catch a lot of balls. Because you bring him in so you can power run to his side. You don't bring him in so you can power run to his side fake the ball back to the quarterback, and then throw it to Craig Stevens. That's not what's going on. He's going to go out there. He's going to put great blocks on people. He will sneak out and get open on a defense if they stop respecting him. I think it goes Walker, Stevens, Fasano, because Fasano is a better pass-catching target than any of the other guys on the list. And if we do go to four, I think Supernaw is more likely than Cunningham. I don't see him in the roster. Where's the connection between Supernaw and Lawan? I'm, I'm not familiar with that. I heard those guys a couple times doing radio shows. People describe it as kind of looking like twins, like he's the smaller brother. And they just had like a real good connection. They interacted with each other really well. That's cute. It, it, was, it was awful sweet. Well, <laughs> I agree with you as far as the order goes. If we don't go three, I could see us leaving four tight ends on the team. Cunningham is the odd man out. I would probably put Fasano ahead of Stevens, even though Stevens is a way better blocker. 
he's probably one of the better ones in the league. I would agree that Cunningham is the odd man out. I think he's strictly a camp body. Um, Supernal, he's kind of a wild card. I could see him making the practice squad maybe or even landing on another team. If I had my way, we would keep three tight ends, and I'd leave it at that. I'm going to disagree with a little bit of what you guys said here. And I think we keep Craig Stevens. I think we keep him because of the blocking ability. At 263 pounds, this guy's a truck. You know, it's just an absolute uh, machine, as I said earlier. I think Anthony Fasano is higher on that list because of the play action and, you know, the ability that he has to catch the ball and make something with it. Even at 255 pounds, this guy is very athletic. Now, the point I do disagree with is I don't see Supernal over Cunningham right now. I know that we're going to a running game. We're going, we're like really focusing on the running game. But Cunningham, only in his second year now, he's a guy that's 250 pounds at six foot three. That is very capable of laying down a block. And if you look at his college tapes, I mean, it's it's unbelievable the way he just just destroys guys at the point of attack. And I think that you're going to see Cunningham rise up. I'm not 100% sold that he'll make the team. I'm not 100% sold he'll beat Supernal, but I think it is close. I don't think it's as far as a lot of people think it is because of Cunningham can hit that block and he catches the pass better and handles the pass better and runs with the ball better than Supernal does. If he can prove that in training camp, I think it could be a strong possibility that Cunningham makes the team. If you look at their stats last year, Cunningham caught 50% of his receptions, which is not impressive. I mean, if you look at you know, Delaney Walker, who had a lot of targets, had 70%, over 70% of his catches. Anthony Fasano had over 60%. Craig Stevenson had over 80%. Supernaut only had four targets, three receptions, but had one fumble as well. Cunningham had 50%, but he also added four first downs. He had a good average for a tight end. It's hard to gauge right now because Cunningham's so young. You don't know where they're going to grow. It's like a child. You know, you grow more in your first five years than you do any time after that in your life intelligence-wise, it's almost the exact same thing in the NFL. You grow in the first five years more than you ever grow, ever, in your NFL career. So I think Cunningham has a possibility to make the team because he's a better pass catcher and he can do more with the ball when he has the ball in his hands than Supernal can. And I know we're doing the exotic smash mouth. I know that, you know, that's the focus but if a guy can block almost as good as another guy, but he adds the fact that he's good in open space, he can catch the ball better, he can move better, you know, I think that obviously might be a difference maker. It's still close to me. I don't know if Cunningham's going to beat Supernal, but I think it's close, and I think you could see it change. Yeah, and you know, I don't think it's that far away that you could see it change. You really talked about Alex Ellis. 6'5", 240, out of Tennessee. He had 14 receptions, 232 yards, one touchdown. And that was in two seasons in college. You know, obviously a camp body. But I, I honestly think that Cunningham and Supernall is a lot closer than th- people think it is. 
I actually think that Cunningham is a pretty decent tight end. I just don't see them carrying more than three. Last year, we carried way too many tight ends. Now, all of our tight ends that we're talking about definitely keeping, they're all getting older. They're at the end of their career. So if they were going to keep four, you do want to keep a developmental guy. So Cunningham may fit that bill. He, Like you said, he's a big boy. So he could definitely has that potential to be a good blocker for you. He's going to be able to, uh, from what I've seen, go out there and really out-muscle people for the ball. I don't know that I'm as high on him as uh, you are, Ryan, but I really think that it is a close competition. I, I think Supernaw gets the nod just because his name is cool. He'll sell more jerseys. Alex Ellis is one of those guys. He's he's a nice prospect as far as an undrafted free agent goes. He's a camp body. Maybe he makes the practice squad. We're more likely to put Cunningham or Supernaw on the practice squad I don't know that those guys clears weight that those guys can clear waivers though, so it may end up being that Ellis is the guy who ends up on the practice squad because if we cut those other guys, we decide not to keep four, they may just be gone. the The thing is, is when you look He's at dead. the Tennessee Titans right now, for the last few years we've kept more tight ends, and we need them now more than ever. If you look at the way that we're going to play now, we're probably going to play a lot of two tight end sets. I think it's a mistake not keeping four tight ends on the roster just because of the system that we're going to move into now. You're going to run two tight end sets more often than not, probably at this point, with the running game that we're going to focus on. And I think that you're going to see Fasano and Stevens kind of, not like a two and three, but a two A and a two B. But I think if you're going to keep another guy, Cunningham very young, Shows more promise, has almost the same size. I, I don't see why you don't keep Cunningham over Supernaw. Alex Ellis, obviously, you know, out. But I, I don't see why you wouldn't keep Cunningham over Supernaw. Better receiver, almost the same size. I think he can block almost just as well. I won't say he can block just as well, but almost just as well. And he adds a lot more in your passing game. You know, because if Delaney Walker goes down you're obviously going to be hurting. You plan for injuries, you know, hope for the best, plan for the worst. I think that this is going to be that kind of situation. I think Cunningham actually makes the team, but that's just my opinion here. That's actually a really good point, Ryan. You know, it is about death, and it is about a power run game. So you've converted me. You've made a good, solid point tonight. I think we do go four. Maybe it is Cunningham. Maybe it's Supernaw. Maybe it's somebody we pick up. But, yeah, I think we go four. Good point. That's all I try to do is just convert minds over here. But that's that's all we have for the show. Thank you so much for listening. Again, we have this huge competition. Week 1, Minnesota Vikings. You're going to get tickets. And trust me, they are phenomenal tickets. So uh, check out the scavenger hunt. We'll have it up on our Facebook and our Twitter. The entire list. You can re-listen to the show to get the list as well. Again, you have to send it to twotoneuncensored at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook at twotoneuncensored. Check us out on Twitter at twotoneuncensor without the ED at the end. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to my awesome co-host that I get to work with every single week, Matt Necrone, Glenn Lotzenheiser. You guys are amazing. I'm sensing sarcasm there. The pleasure is all yours. No, I'm lying. These guys are awful to work with, you know, but I do it because I hope this makes it big. 
<laughs> That's all we have for the show. Check us out next week, same time, same place, and we'll be here for you, and we'll be covering the offensive line, which is not great, but we'll be covering it. Uh, so thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next week. Don't, don't disrespect the big dogs. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show at twotone.pinecast.co or by downloading the Stitcher app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like it on Facebook.